such a movie. Okay, our reading today is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Here ends our reading. Again, happy Advent to everyone. Uh, my name is Patrick Cherry, and I'm the pastor here at Christ's Lord Church. For those tuning in online and for those everybody here, you already know me, so we'll leave it at that. Uh, but glad that everyone is here. You know, Advent's an exciting time. It was an exciting time for my family. I mean, who here doesn't like Christmas? Anybody? Who's the Grinch among us? Anybody? Uh, you're wearing green, so it's appropriate. So that's, that's good. But, you know, it, it, Christmas is, is exciting, especially for children, isn't it? And I remember every year the excitement as my parents would begin to unpack the attic. And so out of the attic would be boxes upon boxes because my mom goes all out with Christmas decorations. And I remember I was always one box in particular that I was looking for, this one. 
And I always remember when this one came out of the attic. I, I always saw it, so it has my name on it. And my parents would pass it to me. My brother and my sister both had one as well. And as soon as this box was passed to me, I would scurry off into the house and find a quiet place to begin to open it. You see, the box is my nativity scene. When I was young, my grandmother would gift us the first pieces in the stable itself. And so I would unpack it, smelling the tissue paper that is deteriorating, you know, has that wonderful smell. The box, you can tell, is a little old. And I would carefully, see, carefully, maybe, there we go. I'd carefully pull out my stable. See, we were gifted this, and then we get like the holy family. And then every year, every Christmas, we would get one additional piece to make it complete. Until years later, I have, I mean, I have all the pieces. And so we would lay out all the pieces, and I would look at them. But you know what? None would make its way into the stable until I found one particular piece. There was one that always had to come first. And when I was young, I didn't really know why it had to come first. It just felt right until I became an adult later and realized that actually, theologically, I was right on the mark. (laughs) Imagine that. First piece, the angel. The angel was the first because the angel knew the news before anyone else. There would have been no nativity if it had not been for the proclamation of the angels. We wouldn't have known about it. We wouldn't have seen. Mary wouldn't have understood what was going on. Thank goodness the angel gave her a little heads up, isn't it? But the angel, I would find my angel piece. The banner actually says Gloria. And then carefully I'd find the hook to hang her on. I know that sounds so awful, but hang her on her hook so she is suspended above the rest of the nativity. There we go. Come on. There we go. The angel. I placed her up there, and then I could begin to place the other pieces. Again, there would be no nativity if it weren't for the proclamation of the angels. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But before I go any further, let's return to God in prayer. So let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this Advent season, the season of hope and expectation, and yes, even waiting. We pray that this opportunity, this season would not be wasted, but that we would truly live into the waiting, live into the expectation, lean in to the hope of the season as we await the birth of our Savior. Guide our hearts and the meditations of our hearts now as we Dig a little deeper into your scripture and the understanding of the season. Silence any voice in us but your own. And Lord, I pray that as my words stray from yours, may they fall away and quickly be forgotten. But may your word, your truth, and your promise remain upon our hearts forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray and all the saints said, amen.
Is it uncomfortable yet? I love how Tyler was the quickest answer. Yes. Yes, it's been very uncomfortable for a while now. Please speak. Anybody here enjoy waiting? Anybody? Bueller, Bueller, anyone? Sometimes you like waiting, Henry? <laughs> Your parents confirm that that's not the truth. Waiting is a challenge, isn't it? To be honest, I've yet to meet somebody who really enjoys waiting. But yet, that's exactly the season that we're in. We're in this season of waiting, and, and sometimes quite literally. I mean, you're waiting for your Amazon Prime package to arrive with a gift that you ordered last night, and you're waiting, you're like, why isn't he here tomorrow? He said next day. Or you're waiting in line at the store, or you're waiting in line to pick up the kids from school. I mean, there, there's so many places of waiting, isn't there? You're waiting for Christmas vacation. I mean, how many of the kids are counting down the days until you get to be on Christmas vacation? Counting it down? Oh, yeah, yeah. Christmas vacation. Looking forward to that. Waiting is a challenge. And you know, the, the bigger and more profound the occasion, the harder the wait. An expectant mother awaits the arrival of a child. And I know, especially at the end of the pregnancy, you're like, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. I don't care how much pain, get it out of me. You're waiting with excitement, with fear, waiting for the results of that final exam. How did I do? Do I get to graduate in May or December, perhaps? Or perhaps it's an applicant who's gone for an initial interview for a job and you're waiting for that call back to see if you get the second interview. Ever been there? Twiddling your thumbs? Nervous? Maybe it's awaiting the surgeon to come out of the operating room to tell you how it went. Or that call from your doctor to let you know the test results. Is it cancer? Waiting is a challenge, whether it's good news or bad news. And, and waiting is increasingly harder when there's a prayer connected to it, isn't it? God, when will you act? When will I get an answer? How will I go on? And sometimes the silence is deafening, isn't it? The silence can be so deafening. God, where, where are you? Where are you, God? Ever found yourself praying that prayer? You know, we're not alone in asking that question, so you should never feel bad about asking it. This question that's been asked for centuries. You see, the people of God, the people were waiting and yearning for a word from God. The Israelites were yearning to hear from God while they were enslaved in Egypt. They were told that there was more for them. But when, God, when do we get to leave this slavery? And then when they're in the wilderness, there's this waiting of when are we going to finally arrive? We just keep walking in circles. Does Moses even know where he's going? And of course, he never asked for directions because he's a man. The people were waiting for liberation. I mean, here they found their promised land. They had their king and then everything just fell apart. And now kingdom after kingdom came and conquered them from the, the Persians, the Babylonians, and then finally the Romans. 
when will you come, God, to set all of this right? And you know what? We're still waiting today, aren't we? We look out at our world and we realize, you know, that peace on earth that we sing about, it's not here. It's not now. People are still hurting. People are still longing. People are still looking for some sense of hope. God, where are you? Where are you? When will we finally see peace on earth? Sometimes we have to wait on a word, don't we? And that can be the hardest part. Waiting on the word. But I wonder, is there a sense of purpose to our waiting? Do you think there can be a purpose to our waiting? Can it serve a purpose, whether we like it or not? I think so. I ran across an interesting article where the author pointed out five, five purposes to our waiting. The first being, waiting reveals our true motives, doesn't it? Waiting reveals our true motives. Because if, if you're not interested, you're not going to keep waiting, are you? You're waiting in a line at, at the store, and it's a long line that goes around. Like, let's say it's the Black Friday lines. Have you ever been on a Black Friday and seen how long the lines are? I mean, you have to have a purpose if you're going to wait in that long, that, that line. The people who camp out in front of the stores beforehand, you've got to have a purpose, and you've got to believe in that purpose. If you're going to camp out in the cold in front of a Best Buy for a couple days just to get a cheap TV. What are your true motives? Waiting builds patience in our lives. This is the one I hate. I almost didn't include it. Here, here's, here's a handy uh, tip from your pastor to you. Free. Never pray for patience. Don't do it. Never pray for patience because how does God grant you patience? Does God just magically come down upon you and give you the spirit and suddenly you're patient when you've never been patient before? Is that how it works? If it does for you, please let's talk because it's never worked that way for me. I've never just suddenly gained patience because God gives us an opportunity to be patient. Patience is a choice. It's a choice we have to make in a moment that's trying our patience. And if you pray for patience, God will give you plenty of opportunities to be patient. Say, I'll keep giving you these opportunities until you learn the lesson. But waiting is an opportunity to build patience in our lives. Waiting can be good. Is it good that we can get everything at a snap of a finger? Has it been good for us that we have so much next day shipping in Amazon? I, I mean, I, I'm, I love my packages, my next day delivery and all of that like the rest of you. But I wonder sometimes if we're getting too many things too quickly. We expect everything to be instant. Because waiting also builds our anticipation, doesn't it? I mean, there's a reason even in theater they have dramatic pauses. You draw people in as they're waiting. You're thinking, okay, okay, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? What's he going to say? You build anticipation. Would Christmas be as exciting if we didn't have this building up to it? It's just, boom, here it's a day. Woo, let's celebrate. All right, we're done. The stores understand anticipation. 
and they build quite nicely to all the holidays. Our waiting also transforms our character. You know, we just spoke last week about character as we finished our uh, Uncompromising Daniel series. And what did we say that character is? Character is not following the rules, but is an overflow of a faith-filled heart. How do we build faith? God gives us opportunities to be faithful and gives us indications of him working in our lives. Waiting can transform our characters. Parents know this. Sometimes we intentionally make our children wait. Not just to torture them, sometimes just to torture them, but not always. But we want to build character in our kids, don't we? I want my boys to be men one day of godly character, and I know that they're going to have to be dealing with some waiting. And then finally, waiting builds intimacy and dependency upon God. How do you think it does that? How does waiting build intimacy and dependency upon God? You had to answer that. Through prayer. Trusting Him. The recognition that you're not God. I remember that was one of my first lessons in my first theology course in seminary is I had a very fiery theology professor named Cindy Rigby. And she was pregnant at the time, so I, I was told that that toned her down a bit, but you, I never would have guessed. And so she would get in your face. She was pregnant, big belly. She'd lean over the table, and she'd get right in your face. She said, this is the first lesson. God is God, and you are not. And she went down the line pointing her finger in her face. God is God and you are not. When you get to that point, then we can go on. It's a hard lesson to learn sometimes because we like to be our own God and in control. I know some of the hardest times in my life of waiting have been times that ultimately, when I surrender to it, there is a sense of intimacy with God. Especially when God says, look, I want you to see my timing. Your timing not so good. My timing's perfect. And I know it's tough waiting, but I love you more than you could ever understand. And I want to be close with you. And it's in the waiting that you're going to draw close to me. It's not when I give you what you want. It's going to be in the waiting. And God says, I will provide for your every need. Waiting isn't a bad thing. I ran across an interesting quote from Woodrow Wilson. It says, all things come to him who waits, provided he knows what he is waiting for. Don't you love that? All things come to him who waits, provided he knows what he is waiting for. So my question to you is, what or who are you waiting for? Who are you waiting for? Are you waiting in this season of Advent? Are you waiting for hope? For real hope, for divine hope, or are you waiting on a lesser hope? Because how often do we choose a lesser hope instead of longing for the greater hope? So we wait. 
Angels are perhaps the most mysterious of all the biblical characters. You know, we, we, we read up and, and we, we as a culture, we've, we've come up with our own ideas of what angels look like, haven't we? You know, the, the white robe, we'll do a nice little wire so we could do a golden halo, beautiful wings. But you know what? Scripture isn't quite as descriptive about these creatures. We know that they are not human. We know that much. They are divine beings. But beyond that, we don't know. So often they come and, and there's a blinding white. We have seen that they, they will be clad all in white from time to time. Maybe not always. But at the root, the most important part, aside from how they might look, is that they are messengers. They carry the word of God. And that's what their name means. Angel in Greek. Angelos means messenger. They are messengers of God. Bringing a word from God to the people of God. And our passage this morning was no different. I can't help but wonder, Mary and Joseph, if they were uttering that same question of God, where are you, when the divine visitor came to them and gave them the answer? I mean, put yourself in their place for a moment. Can you imagine longing for an answer from God, and then suddenly there is this messenger from God standing before you telling you this news that will rock your world. Now, I've heard plenty of stories of surprise pregnancies. This one, I think, does take the cake, especially being that this was no ordinary child. This was no ordinary child that Mary was going to be giving birth to. This was no ordinary child that Joseph was going to father and help raise. This child would be different. The messenger was bringing far more than a word of a birth announcement and far bigger than just Joseph and Mary. It was about the word taking on flesh. And this is where I love the words at the beginning of John's gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That word that was in the beginning that is God was coming down to us. The word they use is Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. Is that not a powerful image? So often God is this concept. We think of it more like Star Wars, that God is the force. But our God is so much more personal than a force. Our God is so much bigger than just this being that sits up on high and watches us and then hits a little button every once in a while. The smite button. Tyler, smite. Our God is with us. Do we not see how profound that is? And that's different from every other faith out there. The creator of all comes to us. And that's why I love this quote. I know I think I say it every around every Christmas, around every Advent. And I'll keep saying it because it's one of my favorites. When mankind reaches to heaven, we call it religion. When God reaches down to mankind, we call it Christmas. Is that not a powerful statement? And so our first point is this. Jesus is the true word humanity is longing to hear. Jesus is the true word that humanity is longing to hear. The longing 
we each have for a word from God is answered in Jesus. God, where are you? Jesus. God, how are you going to help me through this? Jesus. God, do you love me? Jesus. Jesus is the answer to the longing we have. And we have this eternal longing within us. I love how C.S. Lewis describes it as a God-shaped hole within us that we try to constantly fill this void and nothing fills it. It just falls into the void. Only God can fit in that space. We have an eternal longing. The purpose we yearn for, we find in Jesus. The message of Christmas is being proclaimed to us clearly if we but hear the words. The living word of God, the word made flesh. Is Jesus the center of your Christmas? Are you taking time to remind yourself of the true meaning of Christmas? Because it can be a challenge, can it not? There's a lot of noise this time of year. There's a lot of things vying for our attention. There's a reason that this season is so stressful. Anybody here stressed out? Yep. We add a lot of things. But if we are to remind ourselves of the true meaning of Christmas, how might we do that? What do you do to remind yourself of the true meaning of Christmas? Advent wreath? You have one at home? Hmm? Who else? What do you do to remind yourself the true meaning of the season? Advent devotionals? Which, thank you, a quick commercial. We have a wonderful weekly Advent devotional that follows along with the series that we're going to be posting each week. I believe it's the Monday following. Is that what it was? Or Saturday before. Okay. Saturday before each week we'll be posting uh, that follows along with our series and wasn't written by me written by leaders in our congregation, so check that out. Um, there's some really great devotionals, um, so I thank everyone for doing it. So that at least helps us. That's one way we can walk through this journey together. How else? A birthday present for Jesus? What do you give the guy who has everything? I mean, come on, son of God. Talk about hard to buy for. That's awesome. Anybody else? We have an advent calendar in our house that hangs. It's a little plush. I, I want to say it's Fisher Price. Uh, it was give it, gifted by my mom one year, but I know, especially Micah, gets so excited to put up. He has little pouches, and, you, and they're numbered. And each number is a figure of the nativity that has Velcro on the back, and you Velcro up into the nativity scene. Did you? Okay, he told you about Okay, yeah, he gets very excited about this. And what's funny is that now he's getting better with placement because, you know, we had donkeys in the sky and everything for a while, but now he, he's getting, he's getting the, the placement down, which makes me feel glad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's where it is. It made it up there. We're excited. 
There's wonderful things that we can do, traditions that we can build within our own families and our own lives that help draw our attention to. Sometimes it's just letting go of certain things. You know, the reason we're so stressed out is so often we're holding on to so many things that what can we let go? For instance, I know uh, one family gets so busy during the, the, this time of year that they never do a Christmas card. They might say it's just laziness, but I thought it was kind of brilliant. And each year they send their, their Christmas card out at different holidays. Like they'll, maybe they, they'll send out a Valentine's card with their picture. It's Easter. It keeps getting later and later, so maybe they'll catch back up to Christmas at some point. Uh, but I thought that was great because so often it, you know, that can be a busy thing when you're trying to get your Christmas card out. That's something. Are you reading the Christmas story together? That can be something. There's some great devotionals out there. If you, and if you need some help finding some, let me know. I can point you in the direction of a lot of great family devotionals. But we have to be intentional about hearing the true word of Christmas, do we not? But the proclamation that the angels brought is not just for angels, is it? Angels are no longer the only messengers. We are also the messengers. And so this is our final point. Jesus is the word we should proclaim. Jesus is the word that we should proclaim. So I ask you this rhetorical question. I'm not going to make you answer this one out loud. What are you proclaiming this Christmas? Think about it. Think of how you're spending your time. Think about what you were talking about. And you know they say actions often speak louder than words. What are your actions saying? That one was a tough one for me. When I'm losing my patience with my kids, am I displaying the patience that I want them to have? Am I sharing the love of Jesus that I want them to know? Or are they only hearing a voice of criticism? What do your actions proclaim not only to your family members, but to others? Your co-workers? Your neighbors? The way you celebrate Christmas, does it look different to other people? Or does it just look the same? And what you say or do might be proclaiming to others the faith of Jesus. And Jesus is who we are called to proclaim. That's what the season is about. And it's so much more than refusing to say happy holidays and only say Merry Christmas. It's so much deeper than that. Are you showing the love of Jesus this Advent season? So as we prepare to head back out into that world, this Advent, may we proclaim Jesus and the hope he brings. May we proclaim with our deeds the true meaning of Christmas, and may we wait with expectant hope for the return of our Savior, the hope of the world. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you again for the season of waiting. Join us in our waiting. 
Help us to look with expectant hope upon the future. Guide us through this journey. Draw our hearts into your presence that we might hear the true word of Christmas from you and in turn proclaim it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.